0: Well, we're excited, as you can tell, and uh, the service, uh, the new series does start next Sunday. I'm going to be talking a little bit about, more about that today, uh, but I want to mention really two things about the merchandise that we're going to be offering is doing a couple of things. Number one, you know, there's no better way to kind of communicate to the community what your heart is than wearing it. You got serve sitting on your shirts right there, you know, not Alice Cooper or Guns and Roses or whatever, but I love my city. That'd be awesome, right? Georgia. There you go. You tell us what, no, no, man, that's cool, buddy. Yeah, it's awesome. And uh, so anyway, but we got some t-shirts and hoodies coming. It's going to be fun. And it's, so that's one way, one thing we're going to do is communicate kind of what our heart is. And then uh, two, all the proceeds of what we, we go to for the t-shirts and all the, the stuff is going to go toward the building. And so it'll be just creative way for us to do that again. And, and uh, I love hoodies and I can't wait to get my hand on them. I was going to go ahead and get one, but I'm going to let you guys go first and then we'll all dive in. Anyway, it's going to be fun. We're excited, and uh, you'll see why here in just a minute or two. All right, so, folks, we, we were talking about the Ten Commandments, and the Ten Commandments was like, let's just get on a real bumpy ride and just beat some good stuff into us. You know what I mean? It's like a hayride that you wish you didn't really do, but then on the other hand, it was still good. So, you know, the 10 commandments were, were important because they really help us kind of reset, reset what, for morality, understanding the moral law, which Jesus really, is, he, he confirmed, he solidified, he said, I'm not doing away with it. He said, matter of fact, we're increasing its impact because it all begins in the heart. So it was good, it was excellent in the sense that we were able to just take a fresh look, let it kind of churn, it brought conviction, which is good. Because there's repentance and there's a fix for that with the forgiveness of Jesus. But then also to kind of just kind of center our truth system in, the, in, the, in, this, in this world where there's uh, amoral behavior and all the existentialism out there. And just all that's taking place and, and uh, creating that, that having that was good. Just reset. Now, today we're going to talk about the grace of God. And I believe that's a great springboard to just kind of take a a breath, just kind of look at the grace of God and what is the grace of God doing for us? What is it preparing to do for us? And then springing into this next series, which again, I'm very excited about. You know, here at Valley, we just finished. A, uh, a grant writing process. As the, as our team, the staff, just been really working hard, and we press send. I believe it was on Thursday, Wednesday or Thursday. We pl- we press send to get that out the door. And uh, so, just to give you up to date, because we want you to be praying about this, that we heard about a, a grant that it would provide up to fifty percent of the construction costs of that new building over there. That's huge. And so we heard about this, we got word of it, and so we immediately started praying over it and asking God to kind of, so it had some pre-qualifications, which we met. So we were very excited about that. So we got the process started, but the pre-qualifications was only to allow you to write the grant. So we had that hoop to jump through. So then we, 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 we took off. We started writing it and putting in all the information they were asking for. And uh, so we got the grantor and then the grantee. We're the grantee, you know, they're hoping that we're going to receive this. So we filled all the information out. We're really excited. Again, we pledged send. We had professional grant writers helping us. We, we had our whole team just scrutinizing and getting all the details just right. And we believe we got a, an excellent case, In other words, but that's the key is to understand that we're not the only ones asking for this. And not everyone who asks for it gets it. So that 's kind of the way grants work, so there's these, this wonderful opportunity we don 't know if, if we 're going to get it or not. you know we 're not hanging our, our hat on it, or, and we won 't go forward whether we get it or whether we don 't get it. But this would be a wonderful, wonderful gift to us as a church. So we made a case we believe we 're in northeast North Carolina. We believe we 've got a, a, a church that 's really growing that has the need. We did everything we let it We put all our numbers out we, we did everything to feel like the, the, doing our due diligence to communicate our, um, our qualification. And so we're excited about that. We're hoping. But again, there's no guarantees. We'll find out sometime in around October, end of October, whenever that is, to, uh, for us to go to the next level. But the, this first hoop is a big, big, big one. So be, please be joining with us in prayer on that. Now, when I got to thinking about the grant writing process, I thought, you know, it's interesting. I think we kind of look at God this way, that God tells us you know, that I want to bless you, I want to give you these things, that God, that God is a grantor, that God has, you know, he wants to give us a gift. And yet we look to God and we just say, God, would you give us this gift? And we kind of approach him like we're writing a grant, that we, we, we do everything we know, we kind of check off all the boxes, I'm religious enough, I'm going to church, I'm doing this. But in the end, we don't know whether God's going to actually give it to us or not. So we kind of just feel like we're at the mercy of the, the God of, of all mercy to give us whatever we need for that time. And I think we, we kind of think that way. At least in my experience and in, in, in even what I have struggled with from time to time and even watching other Christians struggle, that I think we look at it that way. But see, that's not the way it is. God is not a grant writer, I mean, or a grantee. God, God has got a guarantee. And God has said, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you. And what does he give us? He gives us this thing called grace. And grace is just a little word. And we, you know, we, we've heard definitions of the word, but the, the word grace, what we gotta understand is that it is the most valuable gift we could ever get from God. And I'm gonna explain that to some degree today, because you could spend your whole life studying grace, you know, to understand it. And again, I wanna help us understand it in the light of what God is getting ready to do with us. Because I think it goes deeper. Now, so In the first pass, when we think of grace, well, you know, I know some of you may know the definition where it says God's riches at Christ's expense or unmerited favor, and that's good. Our first experience with grace is gonna be this. Jesus, come and be my savior because you died for me. And I thank you, you've forgiven my sins. I can confess my sins, you're faithful and just, you forgive my sins. We've delved into that, we've dived into that, we've enjoyed that over the last several weeks as we've, we've gone through the Ten Commandments. And so we've experienced grace from that point of view. But folks, grace is so much more, it's so much deeper. And there's a wonderful gift that I think if we learn to embrace it today, number one, to expect it to know it's coming, but two, to know what it looks like and what it is up to, that I believe if we cooperate with the work of God and what grace is intended to do, then we will enjoy some great favor from God. We will be well on the path of experiencing God's goodness in our life. Now, I want to begin with our text today in Titus chapter two, where in 11 and 12, or 11 through 13, where it reads this. For the grace of God has appeared eager to do what is good. Now, what I want to do here with this set of verses is start at the end, because what I want to show you is that Paul is telling us what the grace of God does, but he's also telling us where it is leading us. And I think that's important for us to know what is the end game here? What is the goal before we look at the rest? Because I think that's important. You know, when you walk out into the field or you join a team or you join a club or you do anything, you want to know what the goal is. What is the, what is the end result? You join a health club. Well, I want to look like that. I want to have this. I want to be able to get into this dress or this suit. I want to be able to do this. That's what I want. You got an end goal in mind. The grace of God has an end goal, and it's right here. It says, while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, our God, our great Savior." but here it is, verse 14, who gave himself for us to redeem us, yes, for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Mm. There it is. The grace of God has appeared to all men. And it's teaching us, it's training us, it's moving us, it's pushing us forward, it's doing something. And what is it doing? What is God leading us to? That is to gather says as his people. And to have his purpose and plan so firmly understood and implanted in our hearts, that we, and, and we are eager to carry it out. It is the eagerness that I want to speak to today. That's what you need to understand. That is what the grace of God is doing inside of you. So what is grace? What is the grace of God specifically? Well, it, it, it's favor. It's God liking you. It's God on your side. But it's more than that. Is God taking all who God is, his attributes. His, he's all-powerful. He's, uh, he's all-knowing. He's everywhere present. So those are the, what they call the incommunicable attributes of God. They are who God is. And it's taking, but we also know God is love, that God is, is, is joy, God is all that is good. So it's taking all that is God and making it available to us. So the scripture says, you know, to come in Hebrews, to come boldly before his throne of grace and to receive our help in our time of need. So what is the grace of God? It is God's help for our time of need right now. Whatever our need is, the grace of God fits the bill. It is one size fits all. It is one solution for all. That's it. That's the grace of God in every way. But here, here's some other words that will help you to understand what it is that the grace of God is doing in you. It is God moving in us to help us, to equip us, to give us everything we need, to inspire us, to give us the passion, to encourage us, to lift us up when we feel discouraged, to empower us, to give us literally the dunamis of God, the exosia, his authority, and the dunamis, the right to use his authority to speak in Jesus' name and see supernatural things, to live above this natural world in a supernatural way, Acts chapter 1 and 2, and prepare us for everything that he has prepared for us to do. I like that little phrase. He prepares us for, what, for everything that he has prepared for us. So God is actively preparing us for something that he has already foreordained for us to do. And that's pretty cool, because that means God knows what he wants you to do. God has already prepared a life for you of of passionate purpose. So the question is, how do we get there? But here's here's the most important thing, is that it's God's grace that is pushing you in that direction. It's God's grace that is, is driving you in a good way, lovingly. When I think of this, I think of Psalm 23. You know, Psalm 23 is a great psalm. Everybody loves it. We quote it. It's the most memorized verse in the Bible. Did you know that? So many people know that. And so I'm sure that's, you're, the, you're the same way. So when we think of Psalm 23, it's right. Well, you When Remember that part where he just says, he leads me beside still, still waters, right? You remember that? It's where God is leading us to a place of peace. That God is leading us. So it's not just peace, but let, let, let's look at the bigger picture. It's God leading us to where he wants us to be. That place by the still water is where God wants us to be, and he's leading us there. It represents his will. It represents whatever God has planned for us. It's going to be filled with peace. It's going to be filled with joy. It's going to be filled with all of that, but it's going to be filled with God's purpose. Now, so let's take the whole analogy. David understands sheep because he took care of them all of his life, didn't he? Most of his life before he became king. And so he's saying, look, Lord, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So you're the shepherd, and you got me there to that place using a rod and a staff. Now let's look at shepherding. The staff is got the hook on it, right? It's got it's the staff is where you grab a hold of the sheep, maybe grab a leg or bring it around its head, and you just pull it along. Because naturally, the sheep does not always want to go to where the shepherd wants to take it, because the sheep don't understand the bigger plan. The sheep just says, "Bah, grass over there." That's where I go. That's where I want to go. I can see it. The shepherd's going, no, 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 that's not our property. Or no, there's wolves over there. Or no, that's a rocky precipice over there. You need to come over here. I want to bring you to the place where you can feed at peace. Because sheep need to do that, by the way. They have to eat under peace. Because if if they get frightened or if they get startled, they won't eat. That's interesting, isn't it? So God's going to lead them. The shepherd's going to lead them and and pull them along. But then it also has got another little device. What is that? The rod. Now, what's the rod for? Bink, hitting them on top of the head when they won't obey. The rod comes out when it gets a little feisty and and, and has to kind of hit it on on the flank or just give it a pop on the bottom to get it to come. And so, you know... But you got to see that that's the love of the shepherd, isn't it? The shepherd knows where the sheep must go to prosper, where the sheep can then be safe. Because we're just like the sheep. Here we are, just living our life, and, and we just think we got we got it figured out. We think we know we're going in the direction of God, and then it's squirrel. Next thing you know, we're we're off target, man. It doesn't take much before we lose focus. We get excited about impassioned about something. It could be a female, a male. It could be whatever. Could be a thing, place salesman told you about it. I don't know. And the next thing you know, we're off focus. And just like the sheep, the shepherd comes along. And through his love and his mercy and his grace, he is going to interrupt what is going on there to get us where we need to go. Now, would it be loving of the shepherd to just say, you know that one sheep right there, he just keeps wanting to go. I'm just going to let him wander out there where the wolf is, and we're all just going to watch him get torn to bits, and, and then we'll all just kind of learn a lesson. know, oh, that's it. That's not God. God's not going to do that. And so that's why God often resists our path, just like a shepherd. Well, he'll come in, and that, he'll use that, that shepherd's you know, staff and, and grab us and pull us over. He might pop us on the head to get our attention, to just say, no, hey, silly, this is where the good stuff is. But see, this is the grace of God doing that in us. Ephesians 2, eight and nine says this about the grace of God. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. Whoa, this is an amazing thing here. What, What we find is that the grace of God even interrupts our life. The grace of God is God providentially in his sovereignty, God being God, coming in and even. So Paul is saying, look, I got saved because God sought me out. He knocked me off my donkey. He, he revealed himself to me. And then I had faith and he said, I didn't even generate that. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one can boast. He made that point clear. For we are his workmanship. We're, 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 we're understanding that he's the, he's the master, he's the shaper, he's the, he's the, uh, the potter, we're the clay, he's the, he's the, the, um, uh, the carpenter, and we're, we're the piece of wood. And he's working and shaping us, bringing forth what it is that he's got prepared for us, created in Christ Jesus for good works. He says it again. Interesting. Interesting. Paul keeps bringing us back to that. Why is the grace of God working? Why is God working in our life? He's got good works planned for us. He's got stuff for us to do. So what does grace do? Well, if we go back to Titus 2, 11 and 2, because we're going to back up here a little bit. So we've already established, we got to the end of the verse in uh, Titus chapter 2. And we know that God is, 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 he wants good works to come out of us. He wants, he wants to see us <clears throat> coming into his purpose and plan for our life. But it's, how does he get us there? Let's go to two, uh, Titus chapter 2 back, where it says, For the grace of God is pure, that offers salvation to all people. So the grace of God, and the next verse, please. It teaches us to say no. What is the first verb there we see? Teaches. It, what is it? The grace of God. The grace of God is teaching us. The grace of God comes in like an instructor and says, okay, you're saved. You're filled with the Holy Spirit. Now I'm going to teach you. I'm going to teach you a couple of things. And it's right here. The first thing he's gonna teach us is how to say no. We don't wanna hear no, do we? We live in the yes culture. Matter of fact, when I was a kid, I used to go to my parents and I'd say that. I'd say, look, hey, I got a question for you. Don't say no, right? We do that with God too. We say, God, I got got something for you. I got a really exciting plan for my life. Don't say no. And God says, well, that's not what I really had planned for you. And so God often uses the word no and helping us to teach us to say no to what? Ungodliness and worldly passions ungodliness would be those things that are not in the God path. It's not just breaking the Ten Commandments. It's not just immorality. It's anything that is not God-like. It's anything that is not in the path that God has for you and for me. And often it comes with the worldly passions. Again, that doesn't have to be just sex and greed. Any worldly passion, anything that we get passionate about that pushes God out of our lives. It's not to say that all passion is wrong. I'm not saying that. Notice he qualifies what the passion is. Worldly passion. It's passions of this world. It's passions that are not in the kingdom. They're passions that are not in the plan of God for your life. How do we discover those? Well, we'll get to that. So what does grace of God do? It's teaching us to say no, but then by inference, and to live self-controlled, upward, upright, and godly life. The inference is to say yes to to say yes to God's life. And what is that gonna look like? It's gonna be self-controlled, self-control. In other words, I'm not gonna let the worldly passions take me. I'm gonna be focused. I'm not gonna be squirrel and, and get lost. I'm going to be self-controlled. I'm going to know what it is that God has planned for me, and I'm going to live within the boundaries that have fallen in pleasant places. I'm going to identify what those passions are, what my particular weaknesses might be, and we all have uniqueness. You know, one person's sin is not another weakness. You know what I mean? Just to live a self-controlled life, to say yes to the ways of God, and be upright in a godly life now in this present age. Now, in this life, let there be light. I'm not sure what's going on there, but there it is. Uh, So to teach us to say no, but then also teach us to say yes. It's find and replace, isn't it? To find those areas in our life where we are walking in our own passions, led by the passions of this world, that are not working, that are not flowing. See, it's the grace of God that does that. See, the grace of God is what brought you salvation. It is the grace of God that you sense his closeness and his love for you. It is the grace of God that gets you all excited and makes you want to jump up and down and say hallelujah and amen and all that. It is the grace of God. But look, if that's all the extent of what it is, then you're not letting the grace of God teach you a thing. I'm sorry. You got a good friend called the Holy Spirit and he's been talking to you. But if you are not sitting down and letting him teach you and train you to say no and to say yes, then you're not quite there yet. But this is my point today, is that that's what the grace of God is doing. doing. That's what he's up to. (laughs) He's helping you find the areas that you're distracted, but not just that, not just that. He's helping you to discover your purpose and to come into it and to begin moving forward in how he created you to be, to impact this world in the way that you can do it and only you can do it, through so your family, your region, what your job, place, whatever it is, wherever he has called you to be salt and light, the city on the hill that is not being restricted, that's where God is leading you. That is the grace of God. That's what the energy is. It's going on. That's what it's producing inside you. You need to know that when you reach for God and you reach for his grace and you ask him to give you grace, then it's not gonna be static. You know, it's interesting. You know, Jesus, when he gathered his disciples together, you know, he gathered them and, 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 and you know, all these guys, you know, fishermen, none of, none of these guys were educated. They were, they were just basic, you know, blue collar guys. And they were drawn and they, they just said, yes, we're with you. Jesus sat them down. And I'll tell you what he didn't do. He didn't sit down and somebody grab a guitar and just say, hey, let's sing Kumbaya and just hang around the, the Lake, you know, Galilee, Lake, uh, what it's called, Sea of Galilee, and let's just sing about God and just make us all real cool and let's get excited. Amen. Let's do that. Let's, let's make something and, and stir that up. Let's all just sit here and get getting more and more bloated with the grace of God and his love for us. That's not what Jesus did. What's amazing about what Jesus did is he takes take these guys who'd never thought they were ready, who never thought they were qualified, who never thought they could ever be anything more than just fishermen. He looks at me and goes, okay, guys, look, tomorrow morning, you're all going out to lay hands on the sick. I'm going to send you out two by two, and I don't want to even see you until you're done. You're like, what? What are you talking about? We're not you. He says, no, you're going to go. I'm giving you my name. Okay, so they went out, and guess what? They came back, and there were it was a party, they were shouting, they were excited, and they walked up to Jesus and said, You're not going to believe this. He goes, Try me. We laid laid hands on the sick, and it got healed. Can you believe it? We cast out demons, we did this, we did that. We saw amazing things happen in your name, Lord, and He said, Of course. He says, that's because because I have prepared you. It's not your righteousness. It's not what's in you. It's me flowing through you. I prepared these things in advance for you to walk in. And because of your simple obedience, it happened through and around you. See, that was shown to us by Jesus' discipleship method. It's no different with us. Not a bit different. We show up to Jesus if we had walked up to him sitting by the Sea of Galilee, he would have done the same thing with you and I. He would have looked at us and just said, What's your name? I'm David. Okay, great. Look, David, you're going to join that team and you're going out with those guys. Yes, but wait a minute. I just joined the team. I'm not even sure what I'm doing. You'll figure it out. Very much the kingdom of God is like building an airplane in flight, it really is you're sitting there flying, you come to Christ. Folks, I gotta tell you, the moment I gave my life to Jesus at the age of 17, right there in the middle of my junior year, I'll tell you what it was. I mean, I, my, I wasn't I a was Christian two days before I was sharing the gospel up and down the hallway. And somebody could have walked up and said, what are you doing? You just, just got saved. Yeah, but all I needed to know was that John 3, 16 and 17, that's all I needed to know. Boom, I was, I was in the game right away. And that's really what we're talking about here. What does that mean when we talk about the grace of God, you know, and, and what he was doing there? See, here's the deal: the grace of God definitely deals with our past. It definitely gets into our sins. It definitely gets what goes on, on the inside. No doubt. No doubt. And to make that all happen, we find when we submit, there's, there's something that is absolutely required. How do we get the grace of God? one simple way. The only qualifier for the grace of God is this, and it's found in 1 Peter 5, five. If we humble ourselves, if we humble ourselves. Humility. Now, humility is the hardest thing to preach about because nobody's qualified to really preach about it. <laughs> Certainly not me but we gotta look at the scripture and still look at it and know that's where we gotta go. We still gotta look at it and say, that's the thing that gets us set up to receive more of the grace of God, and that's it. It doesn't mean you need to be more spiritual. It doesn't mean you need to memorize more of the Bible. Those don't hurt. It doesn't mean anything other than what opens the door for God to move through your life, to see more of the grace of God moving your life, so more help, more inspiration, more more power, more everything... Come simply by humbling ourselves. Like in the grant, I receive no money, we receive no money until we file the grant. We had to humble ourselves, so to speak, and ask. And so by humbling ourselves and saying, God, <laughs> I can't do this without you. I don't even want to try. I don't want to even try this life. I don't want to try marriage. I don't want to try raising kids. I don't want to even work at this place. I don't want to even breathe in and out without your help. That is humility. That's what it is. And yet when we try to conjure it, which is an interesting thing, and I've learned this you know, in the long run too, is that humility can get interrupted because here's the problem with humility. The moment we start walking in it, it's got to give birth to something else. And if it doesn't give birth to something else, then it just stays within within us and actually begins to morph into something kind of ugly. And it's called false humility. And false humility is a little scary because it can have all the look of a spiritual person. It can have all the look of humility, but it's not doing anything. You see what I'm talking about here? It's a person that has all the words. See, unless we move, it, it's, it's very much if Jesus gathered the disciples together and they're all going, yeah, we're going to go, we're going to go, yeah, no problem. But in the, next, in the morning, they all went, instead of going out, they went you know, to the local tavern and just hang out and told stories. It didn't do anything. It didn't affect them. And so if they try to maintain this kind of sense of lowly spirit, spiritualism, then that real humility really morphed into a false humility and it's not real. See, the the, the thing that is shutting us down, let me back up a little bit. What what keeps us from walking in humility is pride. We know that. It's pride. But the thing about it is, and, and, and this is all I can really say about this, is that the reason why humility is so hard to walk in is because we try so hard to be something that we're not, We try so hard to earn favor of God. We try to earn the favor of people. We try to impress people. We try to act spiritual. But you know what? We just need to flush all that. We need to just flush all that. The worshiping experience is not about me trying to be worshipy enough to impress you. All right, you know, I mean, how I hold my hands, or if I'm jumping, or I'm shouting, or I'm doing this. That's that's not for your benefit. (laughs) It's for His benefit. And if God is leading me to do that, and that, that, then that's my motivation is to impress him. But you know what? It's, it's all about on the, what's going on in the inside. And that's very difficult for us to be able to fruit inspect. So it's not really my position because somebody might be doing all this stuff and yet it's coming right out of the heart. Amen. But we have to examine ourselves to see if, if how, how I'm dressing or how I'm speaking or how I'm acting, if it all is coming out of a false humility and a pride, whew, well, people will know that. Before too long, it begins to smell. Before too long, it, 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 it's not genuine. And it's interesting. I just did a funeral yesterday, and, and uh, it's kind of the best way I can only really describe this, is that I was, I was talking with different individuals, and then I, you know, I, I was in a situation where I was doing this in another church, and so I was just kind of waiting, and a, and a brother walked up and introduced himself, and, and he just had his bright, clear eyes, and just looked me in the eye, and we began to talk, and I was just like, I know you. You're my brother. We're family. We have it. I've never met you before in my life. But within seconds, because of our heart being in tune, because we had the same passions, because we're on the same trajectory of life, we spoke the same language. We spoke the same. Th- th- our our hearts were beaten in the same way. And it's funny, because you can go beyond race, you can go beyond wherever you were born, even nations, because that's happened to me too, where I've been in other nations, and then you're just kind of like, we're brothers, man. We connect. Our hearts beat the same. And so it was neat. Before too long, man, I was just connecting with this guy, and I was kind of just tearing up, because I could just see his heart for the kingdom, and how he was sharing with it. I was just like, man, we're brothers, buddy. And... That's how it works. Where there's dissonance, where there's a lack of understanding of what the grace of God is, when we don't really understand what forgiveness is. And and, and see, the more you understand about grace, the more you freely give it. You need to sit on that one for a while. The more you understand the grace of God, the more you freely give it. I'll let you think on that one for a while. Now folks, what does humility then give birth to? We've been talking about it can it can become ugly if it doesn't move, if it doesn't, it doesn't it doesn't give birth to something and it will and it should. And this is what it gives birth to, obedience. Because here's the amazing thing about the grace of God. And I've been studying this, I've been looking at this theologically all my life and trying to measure. I mean, I've got a certain school of thought when it comes to theology and how our life is to be, to be lived and played out and how I respond to the sovereignty of God. I mean, I believe in the sovereignty of God, no doubt. I believe Psalm 139 clearly. I believe it, that God is God. What does God know and when did he know it? God knows all things and he's known it for all time. That's my belief. That affects everything. That is my starting point. But yet, but yet, how does that work out in our lives? And so what I've seen, what I've studied, and even in in, in this fresh understanding of, of the study here, the grace of God only brings us to a certain place, right here to the edge. And before I get to tell you what it's gonna take to get you over the edge, I gotta remind all of us here in this room right now that we have no excuse None of us, not a one. He has giving, given us everything we need to live this life. He's given us all the power. He's given us access to everything we need to live this life in a godly, upright, powerful way. Everything is at our, at our disposable, disposal. And it's the grace of God that's ready to make it happen every single time. All we have to say is in Jesus' name, it's ours to be had then why don't we walk in it? Why don't we experience it enough? Because that truth brings us right here. There's only one more step to get in, and that is obedience. It is God, it says there in Philippians chapter two, it's God who causes us to will and to do of his good pleasure. Oh my gosh. We have talked ourselves so to the edge here, have we not? Have we not let scripture bring us to the point where we have no other excuse? It, God even works in us to give us the passion, the heart. You're all here today because God led you here. You have any, if you have any inkling of desire to want to love or follow God, he did it. He did it. He illumined your heart to know. He's, he's inspired you to go to the next level. But folks, he can only take us so far. We have to jump. We have to take the step. And you know what? That's the easiest one. (laughs) Because all I have to do to get off this step is just literally fall. I don't even have to step. I just have to let myself go. Falling into the arms of Christ. It's the hardest theological thing to to, to communicate. But I'm doing my best I could could possibly even do. We fall into the arms of a God who loves us, who knows us, who's prepared everything for us. Well, as I was going through Scripture, I found a verse, and it's so small and so, you know, kind of hard to find. But I, I, I read it, and as I finish up here, I read it, and I thought, there it is. There it is. Because Paul says, the grace of God works powerfully within me. Now, based on what I've described today and what this, 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 this grace really does that I have described today that makes sense. So Paul is saying, hey, it's been working in me. It's empowering, inspiring, doing this, all the, all the things that Paul was able to do. But this verse here in Colossians chapter 1, verse 29, it's it. Listen to this. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. There it is. Christ is working powerfully inside you. There's not a one here in this room where he he is. If you've accepted Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit is in you. The Holy Spirit is ready to activate. The Holy Spirit is ready to bring forth what it is that God has planned for you and beyond your your understanding and whatever sphere of influence you're in, he's ready to move. But I love what Paul says here, I strenuously contend with God. There it is. Paul says, I'm all in. I'm going to use my energy. I'm going to use my time. I'm going to use my will. I'm going to use my focus. I'm going to give it to him. And I love the word there, strenuously, because you know, it, it, it tells us he's all in. It means that I'm going after God. I'm going to wrestle with God in a good way to say, Lord, what do you got planned? What do you want to do today? I know this is not you, so would you give me something else? I know that that's not you. Would you give me some comfort to know that I'm on your path, that you're going to do something? You know, I shared my testimony in the other services. As a 17 year old, I had my life planned out. I wanted to be a football player, and I wanted to, I wanted to go get an engineering degree in the process. And I had it all. I was working in, in plants, in engineering departments. It was, all, it was all happening. It was wonderful. I was so excited that I got saved, and God ruined it all. But not really. And I'll show you, share with you why. Because I remember that night that I got down in my bed and I, I knelt on my bed and I just said, Lord, I give, I, I, give a, I give it all to you. If you want me to go into the ministry, then that is what I will do. And I remember there was sorrow over it, but then there was joy. It was a deep joy inside me because I was like, well, I trust him. But it wasn't at that time that God really shared any, any kind of replacement inside me. This was in Greenville, by the way. Whatever the name of that street was there that I lived on. going to Greenville High School. And I got down on my knees and I said, Lord, I gave it all to you. I was working at Northland Refrigeration. Do you remember where that was? Yeah, that's where I was working. And uh, it was fun. Gave it all to him. And I remember getting up, I felt a, a quiet joy, but still a little apprehension, a little sense of, well, what did I just do? But then I'm like, but I trust God. And it wasn't until many years later that I was preaching here that I was actually sharing this testimony, I think really for the first time. And a sister walked up to me, one who's a prayer warrior and someone that I trust. She walked up to me and she said, David, she goes, you still are an engineer. You still are a builder. You're still designing. But you're just doing it for something eternal. Because everything you would have built or designed or done as an architect or an engineer, it would have all burned up and gone away. But what now, you're engineering souls. You're building systems for the kingdom of God. You're building people. And I was just like, thank you. I said, it's amazing. I had to go 30 years to hear that. (laughs) But this is the point. I didn't need to know that. But it was one of those times where God just gave that to me as a gift, just to say, David, it's okay. I gave you something eternal and better. So the Holy Spirit is working and the grace is driving you to the still waters and the blessing and the grace and the goodness he has for your life. Will you let him do it? You have to make the decision here today. Are you gonna humble yourself and are you going to obediently follow the plan even sometimes blindly without knowing but you trust the God who says, I got this. We can follow the Savior Jesus said to his disciples, Follow me. Where are we going? You'll see. You'll see. That's what he says to you today, today. Right now. He says, Follow me. You say, Where? He says, You'll see. Folks, what it requires is our humility. And humility is just saying, God, I give it all today. That's what we're going to do right now. The obedience part, I can't make you do. But I've brought you up to the edge. And over the next six weeks, we're going to discuss how, as a church, we'll make that process a whole lot easier for you. Because if we have in this room today a group of people, see, when I showed up for football practice for the first time, I had no clue what I was doing. I had all my gear on, half of it wrong. In fact, I got a picture in the newspaper of me with my pads on wrong. It's still quite a joke to this day. Because I didn't know. And then the coach walks up to me. When you show up to that practice, he'd grab me by the shoulder pads and he just says, Son, you're lost as an e sticker. I don't know. Here, get right here. Here's, the, here's, your, here's your hole. Get down and hit that person in front of you, and you do this. I had to show up. I had to look at that. I had to in, in, embrace what it was that's God's plan for my life. God's part of the team. And that's what I'm going to ask you to do over the next several weeks. You may not know what you're going to do. You may not know how you're going to do it, but you need to show up because then God will take care of it. He'll show you. Amen? Amen. So we're going to go forward with what we're doing in our community. And I will say this, as I said to other, other services, you know, sometimes as a church, we go together and we make this thing happen. I'm excited about what God wants to do with us here in Northeast North Carolina through Valley Community Church. If you've got a better gig, go for it. But I believe this is something awesome. And we're inspired, we're excited, and we believe that God is leading us. We want you to help us. We want you to be a part of the team. Thanks for joining our live stream today. Make sure to like our Facebook page. And if you want more information about us, make sure to visit us at our website, valleychurch.us. Or go and download our Valley Church app called Valley Church Weldon. If you feel led to give today, you can give on our website and on our